I remember pushing several times and then our doula looking at us and saying, you're about to be a family of three. Do you have any last words as a family of two? Oh. <laughs> and that was really powerful. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When it comes to giving birth, what's your risk tolerance? Are you more comfortable with the risk of giving birth at home and assessing the situation as it comes? Or are you more comfortable with the risk of the often unnecessary interventions and fallout that come with them of the hospital? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 135 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Erica, a nurse by trade and mother of two. Erica, like all of us, whether consciously or unconsciously, had to decide the level and type of risk she was willing to accept during her births, and then she had to face some of those risks head on. Her two birth stories start the same, her water breaks, and from there they are completely different experiences. I know you're going to enjoy these stories. Now, before we jump in, I would love to thank our reviewer of the week, AVB Holistic Mama, who wrote, The perfect tool for an empowering birth. I am so grateful that I found this podcast because it was a major catalyst for my own home birth that happened almost a month ago. I started listening to this podcast after I had my first baby at the hospital with an epidural where everyone just ignored my birth plan of having an unmedicated birth and I felt totally defeated. I knew there was a better way, so I started digging and researching and came across this jewel of a podcast. Now, my husband and I are both telling everyone that home birth is the way to go. Husband thought I was kidding when I first brought up the idea of having a home birth for our second child. Thank you, Caitlin, for your soothing voice and the encouraging stories that normalized home birth for me and made me realize that I too could have a happy home birth. Oh my goodness, AVB Holistic Mama, thank you so much and congratulations on your new home birth baby. I'm so happy for you. If you would email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a happy home birth podcast sticker. All right, my friends, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Erica, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. And I would love it if you would just take a moment here in the beginning to just introduce yourself and your family to the listeners. Sure. Uh, my name is Erica Millen. I am 34, almost 35 years old. That makes me nearly maternal, advanced maternal age soon. Glad I've already had my two babies. Um, but I live in Greenville, South Carolina uh, with my two babies and my amazingly awesome husband, Trevor. We have uh, two girls, Grayson, who is four, and Sutton, who is nine months old. I am a nurse by trade, but stay-at-home stay mom, thanks to the pandemic and a whole lot of other circumstances that made that just a necessity. So very nice. Well, so you're a nurse. I <laughs> so I always am excited to hear how someone in the medical field, you know, gets 
through, you know, you've had one uh, hospital um, birth center, like hospital attached birth center birth, and then one home birth. And I love hearing these stories, especially from someone working in the medical field. So when you became pregnant with your first, I'd love to hear what that was like for you and what your thoughts and ideas were about birth. Sure. So um, I didn't really know what I believed about birth, um, especially as a medical professional, because I never really worked in birth. Um, I had my normal labor and delivery kind of rotation in nursing school, and that was fun, but I decided that was not really for me. Um, Although I don't feel that way anymore. That might be something I'm interested in now that I have had my babies. But um, at the time, I... I kind of realized I needed to figure that out. Um, so I scheduled a typical OBGYN appointment um, when I found out I was pregnant, actually at a at a local OBGYN that one of my friends who was also pregnant at the time was going to. And um, I was patiently waiting for my turn to go. And she went and came home and we kind of got to powwow about what her experience was like. And she told me all about it and all the paperwork and how every appointment she was going to have to pee in a cup and she's going to have to have all these cervical exams throughout the whole time. And I was like comparing that to what I had been reading about the birth center birth and working with the midwives um, in the community. And I kind of immediately knew that I needed to cancel my OBGYN appointment because that was definitely not what I wanted. (laughs) Um, I I just didn't think that that was necessarily something that birth was about. Um, You always learn like in nursing school and even you hear it over and over again in healthcare, like birth is just one of those normal physiological processes, which, and only one of the only ones that we really typically see a lot of in the hospital setting. So um, I kind of felt like there was really no harm, no foul in going with a nurse midwife. And so that's what we did. Um, We went with the local nurse midwives group and, opted to deliver at the attached birth center um, as long as everything went the way it was planned to. And we had the option to deliver in the hospital as well, but we, both my husband and I don't necessarily love being in the hospital as patients, especially. Um, I can go in as a nurse and rock it, but I am like an anxious little ball of energy and actually kind of a nervous wreck if I go in as a patient myself. So I knew that wasn't for me. Um, and we opted for those midwives. And actually in the process of doing that, we were able to opt for not just your kind of scheduled visits that were, you know, your, you know, 30 to 45 minutes if you're lucky, but um, to be able to be part of uh, centering prenatal care, which is group prenatal care at the midwives. Um, it's a model of care where you go through your prenatal care with a group of people who have kind of like due dates. And um, that was just amazing for us. So Um, I can't say enough about how much I think both my husband and I learned uh, in that process because every every one of our visits, I think, was three hours. So we got our little check and then we had tons of time to bond with people and to learn about everything along the spectrum of care for um, from like breastfeeding to uh, what are you going to do after the fact to make sure you don't have another one too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, So and also, you know, you get to watch the gory videos and make sure that you're really ready for what you're about to do. So um, we we had such an incredible experience through that process. Um, And those people that we went through that with um, were and still are people that we follow and kind of like touch base with, especially through social media. So um, to be connected to those people still is just very cool. And to watch all of our babies grow up has been really neat. So that's incredible. I do love that concept of doing group prenatals, the centering care. And I've heard so many moms say the exact same thing. It just adds this 
layer of camaraderie to your experience that it's beyond just like, oh, making sure that we're, you know, taking care of in all of these important physical ways. But emotionally, you have this group that you can bounce ideas off of and really connect with. And that's just so beautiful. Yeah. And uh, we still have like at the end, there's just so these like little mementos, even like actual things. We had this like activity right at the the last appointment before we were all supposed to have our babies. We had this like everyone had a piece of this yarn that was all connected. So we're all holding on to this yarn. And um, we like chanted this statement that we had said at the end of every visit together. And it was. Uh, I'm a good woman or I'm a strong woman. I'm a good mother and my baby and I make a great team. And we would say that three times at the end of everything together. And the husbands would say, she's a strong woman. She's a good mother and our baby and us make a great team. Um, So I still have a piece of that yarn, which is really cool. So. Wow. Oh, that is so special. Yeah. And then leading up to our birth, my husband actually wrote that um, our baby and us make a great team on our bathroom mirror. So everything leading up to our first birth experience was like, I saw that every day and it's, it just still like stuck with me because it really was our first like team effort as a family. So we thought, I mean, I was just, that was always at the forefront of my mind. So that was really neat. Yeah. That is incredible. That gives me chills. I would love to hear, you know, as this first, uh, laboring experience was approaching what was going on what was that like um well it was kind of a waiting game um we had you know the checklist was done and everything was complete like the bed with the red the bedroom was ready all of our stuff was packed like I mean we were ready and um we were kind of approaching our due date I was due March 8th but by my own calculations was due like March 5th or 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, so that weekend rolled around and I think I went into like major nesting mode. Um, our, our birth educator, I remember telling us uh, at a hypno babies class, like to the guys, especially now gentlemen, your wives are going to do some crazy things mm-hmm. and your job is to sit back and watch. And if you want, take a picture, <laughs> but don't ask questions. <laughs> so I remember I vacuumed the entire house and I don't vacuum. My husband does all the vacuum. Um, and I did it. And then my husband came to me and said, I'm so glad you did that. But you know, you just did that without a filter in the vacuum. And I was like, no way. I said, I'm going to do it again. And so I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so that was that same weekend. Uh, and then that Sunday night, you know, we had just had such a great, like relaxing weekend besides me vacuuming everything, but everything was clean. So I felt good. Like everything felt ready. Um, we had been working on this game of Mexican train dominoes with our neighbors. And, um, so we went up to their house and this game had lasted over the course of like three nights because they had young kids and I was pregnant and tired. So it was like the last two weekends I was pregnant. And this last night we went up there, finished our game, and came home and we both were like talking and we were like, you know, I really don't want to go to work tomorrow. It's a Sunday night. Tomorrow's Monday. I'm like uber pregnant. Let's just not do this. <laughs> and little did we know uh, we were going to get in bed and I'm just like snuggling up with my husband, getting ready to go to sleep. We hadn't, we were getting ready to turn out the light. And I was, <clears throat> I felt this like tingling pop in my upper left abdomen. And I was like, uh, I, I think my water just broke. And my husband looked at me and goes, really? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my water just broke. And if I really wasn't sure, I was really sure after the gush happened. 
So um, he went frantically grabbing towels. And so we got some towels, got up to the bathroom and then really made sure, yes, that was indeed my water and it was clear. So everything was good, um, but I wasn't having contractions or anything. So lucky for us, we didn't have to go to work on Monday. Um, but we called our midwives and they kind of told us, you know, labor hasn't started yet. It sounds like everything is safe. You really need to go to bed and rest up for the work that's to come and just wait, which is the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's so hard. Uh, like, and I get it. Like my brain says, yes, you need to go to sleep. This is going to be the, the like hardest physical battle you've probably ever fought in your life. And you're trying to do it without drugs. So mm -hmm. just go to sleep. But that like anxiety and like, it's happy anxiety. Like I want to just meet my baby. We didn't know if our baby was a boy or a girl. So we were anxiously anticipating this like best surprise ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of was like, okay, fine. So I tried to go to sleep and Trevor was super like cognizant of my movement and everything. I remember him being like, Erica, go to sleep go to sleep. And I could not. So within about the hour, I started having what I thought was contractions, but you know, you never really know what a contraction really is. And now I know, like, mm -hmm. I, like it's basically like PMS cramps. Like I just felt them super low, like starting to really like clamp down low around my abdomen. And so when I also realized I was like, okay, so this is what practice contractions are like. Yes, I was having Braxton Hicks every time they asked me this at the midwife's office when I went in, but I didn't really know. <laughs> um, well, now I know. Now I know. And so um, I labored for a little while. I mean, it really wasn't, wasn't awful, but I'm kind of a, I definitely find therapy in water. So um, we, I really wanted to get in the bathtub, but having had my water broken, we were very conscientious. So um, I remember Trevor got up and he scrubbed the entire bathtub, like so pristinely clean that it was like, okay, there's no way this is unsafe. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Um, so we did go, um, I got in the tub and at that point, I think <clears throat> he let, he let our doula know that my water had broken and I was in early labor. And so she kind of was in touch with him on and off through the night. So this was probably around midnight, um, Sunday, well, Monday morning. And, um, I labored in the tub for a really long time. And the whole time I labored, I was like really stuck into hypno babies. Like my brain was, I needed that. That's what kind of kept me, um, kind of on a level keel and even keel trying to like really control, um, my body and try to like, just not fight what was happening. Um, <clears throat> I remember really honing in on like a few things from hypno babies, number one being the word peace. And number two, remembering that my hands and my face needed to be relaxed at all times. So like not clenching my fists and not like trying to make faces. Um, I very quickly kind of learned that I am a very loud laborer. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> those guttural noises or whatever animal sounds come out. Like, I mean, I don't even know where that came from, but it started happening and I had no control over it. So um it was so crazy. Like that stuff just kind of like takes over. Um, so anyways, we did that for a while, kind of got bored in the bath needed to change, came back to our bedroom for a bit, um, tried to bounce on a ball, but when your water's broken, <laughs> that labor ball thing just really was not great. Every time I had a contraction, like water would gush and it was just like, okay. Like I was just not comfortable at all. So um, I went back to the bathtub 
and labored there for a while, a long while. Um, and at one point I know Trevor called our doula and got her on the phone and she listened and she was like, okay, um, I think I'm gonna come in a little bit and you know, we'll kind of like figure it out from there. So I have, I mean, time, you lose track of time so easily. And I don't know if that's just hypno babies kind of like being in that self-hypnotic state or if this labor in general, but for me, it was like, I don't even have any concept of timing during any of my labor. Um, I remember seeing clocks and watching like the hands change, but not like processing how much time had passed. Right. So um, our doula came around six in the morning and she watched me labor through like one contraction, made me drink a bunch of water with like vitamin C in it. And uh, she goes, um, we're going to go. <laughs> so she's like, Trevor, pack up your stuff. We're leaving. So, uh, I remember her like pulling out whatever pair of shoes she could find and looking at me and going, are these your shoes? And I said, yes. And they're like these rainbow flip-flops <laughs> and she found whatever pair of pants she could find. And she was like, okay, th are these your pants? Yes. Uh, I we don't need underwear. We'll just put a pad in your pants. You're going to be fine. We're going. Um, so we packed up and it was raining that night. And I remember leaving the house out through the garage and hearing the rain being so like soothing. So walking out in the rain, Trevor had an umbrella like protecting me and I had this big blanket wrapping me up and um, getting in the car was probably one of my high anxiety points in terms of like moving during labor. Like how am I gonna be comfortable in the car transporting from home to the, the birth center, <clears throat> not really knowing kind of how far along I was. So um, I remember driving. I remember it being the longest drive of my entire life. <laughs> and I had hypno babies on my phone the whole time, but we got stuck behind this car that was driving like, I swear, 15 miles an hour on like a 35 mile an hour road. And I remember thinking like, can they please go any faster? <laughs> um, but we made it. So we got to the birth center and I remember um, getting in there and following the sound of water. Like I heard the bathtub running and I was just like, okay, like take me there. Cause that's where I want to go. <laughs> um, and I guess the birth center had been hopping busy. We were greeted by one midwife and then basically turned over to another. Um, so we met her and she kind of got us settled in, um, checked me and I was at five centimeters. And they, I remember hearing them say, we're going to keep her. And I remember thinking to myself, well, of course you're going to keep me. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so it's been like, I don't know, seven hours of labor by this point. Um, and we, I ended up laboring in the bathtub for a long while and they have like handles in the bathtub and thinking that whole time, like, don't hold on to the handles, like your face and your hands are relaxed. <laughs> So hypno babies playing in the background, like I was so attuned to that, that like if anything else was playing in the background, I was like freaking out. I remember like they had this nice relaxation music, which literally was like that easy button for me. Like, you want to piss me off? Keep playing that music. <laughs> so I made them turn that off, uh, stuck with my hypno babies, um, labored in the bathtub for a while. And like, I remember fighting this horrible urge to throw up at one point. Like I, I knew it was going to happen. I hate throwing up and it literally, my body just took over and like I threw up and my doula looks at me and goes, congratulations, you just went through transition. <laughs> and I was like, okay, 
that okay like what I remember I know what this means but I don't know what this means like I'm in my body thinking whatever is it over yet because it's not over yet I don't really care where I'm at like let's just keep going um so I labored there and went through transition kind of tried to get into some other positions because it kind of felt like things were stalling out a little bit after that and I just couldn't get comfortable I started getting really cold um so I got out of the tub and I felt like I had to pee and I know that I know people don't think this is funny, like, but it's, it was funny to other people, but not to me. Like I got on saddle style on the toilet and I could not pee. And it was so irritating. Like, and everyone around me doesn't care, right? Nobody cares if I pee or if I don't pee, like, it's fine. Do what makes you comfortable. But I was, but so you wanted to pee. <laughs> I had to pee. And like, I'm sure it was just pressure on my urethra from a baby, but I was just so angry that I couldn't pee. And so once I finally let that go, uh, I got in the bed and I was able to get wrapped up in a bunch of blankets, which was really, really nice. Um, even mine from home, which was so cool, like just to have stuff from our house still with us. Um, so I remember them checking me again and telling me that the baby was a little bit malpositioned. So they wanted me to lay on my left side with the peanut ball. And I was actually pretty happy to just oblige if it meant like I could just lay in bed and let my body do what my body needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I was starting to really feel like a little bit like I was starting to lose control of myself and I was losing that kind of self-hypnotic state and sort of like starting to fight what was happening. And I knew mm -hmm. that was happening. Um, I was starting to really lose control of my breathing and get very tired because I had been up like working all weekend vacuuming and then <laughs> up late and not slept. And so, you know, that going back thinking, I wish I had rested or could have rested more. Um, but the, the work was ahead. So, um, I laid there for a while and started kind of feeling that really out of control feeling. And my husband, my doula, everybody was fantastic. Like just watching, waiting, like being as supportive as possible. And, um, my body gave me a break. Uh, I literally fell asleep. I don't know for how long I feel like maybe it couldn't have been more than like 15 minutes, but like, I think my body knew I needed that before I pushed a baby out into the world. Mm -hmm. Um, so I fell asleep and I remember waking up to the smell of coffee, um, and the doula asking my husband who was like dozing off next to me, uh, do you need any coffee? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so I remember smelling the coffee and I mean, just waking up like, okay, like I can do this. And I wanted it to be over. I was getting emotional about it. Um, and just, I have started feeling that urge to push like immediately after I woke up like that. So I started pushing, just kind of like going with the flow of my body. And it's so crazy because you really can't fight it. Um, and I just went with it. And I remember our midwife saying like, we can see her head after they finally like took the covers off me and took the peanut pillow out. Like I had gotten so far, like her head was like right there. And they told me that, and that was what I needed. I needed to know like, okay, all of this has been productive and we're, we're doing the right things. No more malpositioning. Like we're good. So, um, I remember pushing several times and then our doula looking at us and saying, you're about to be a family of three. Do you have any last words as a family of two? Oh, <laughs> and that was really powerful. Sorry. Because I remember one of my other anxieties being, you know, we'd been married um, 
a long time, six years before we got pregnant, before we had a baby. And so like when you have babies like that, after you've been together and it's just been you guys for a while, I think it's, it's hard to not, it's hard to imagine what your life is going to be like and how it's going to change. Um, so she asked us that, and I think I needed that, like that moment to just one last time, think about it. And, um, I told, I looked at Trevor dead in the eyes and I said, I love you. Mm. And then I pushed my baby out. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, a beautiful moment. It was beautiful. Um, and I remember looking at Trevor because I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl and like, I'm dying to know. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he's, they lifted, they lifted her up and he looked and he remember, I remember looking at him and he was like taking a double take because he couldn't really tell at first, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he looked, and then when he finally had committed, he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, it's a girl. Oh. And of course, then I was handed my daughter and, um, <sighs> I mean, it was just so cool. I would, I will say, I always thought it'd be easier to have boys. Mm. I think there's always a little bit of a fear as a woman having a daughter, like it, it can be complicated. And, um, <clears throat> I felt like it was kind of a redemptive moment for me. It, it made me feel like I, wow, God is trusting me to do this. Okay. I can do this. Oh, gosh. Um, so Anyways, um, we had decided that our baby's name was going to be Grayson either way. So that is our Grayson Charlotte Millen. Um, She was born March 6th, which of course was my guest date for her. Um, So and perfectly healthy. We um, recovered at the birth center. Um, It was so like that postpartum like elation that everyone tells you about like that all those endorphins when you first breastfeed and everything. Like I had that the first time it was so cool. I mean, I had never been so elated in my life. I remember looking at the the doula after I'd showered and was breastfeeding her. And I was like, is it normal to feel like so much love? Like I really felt like a hippie. Like I had taken some sort of drug. I was so happy. And she was like, yep. Very normal. That's all those endorphins. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> um, a good mother. Yes, <laughs> I was. <laughs> yes. And we made a great team. So oh. um, that was really, really cool. So uh, we have all sorts of great pictures um, from that. And it's it's so neat looking back at that and remembering how that felt. So um, anyway, we went home that day at like four o'clock in the afternoon. And the rest is kind of history. So. Um, we, I remember thinking like, why did I even leave my house? (laughs) I had this like amazing birth and everything was totally great. And I mean, cool. So that was number one. That's amazing. And so, so your first birth experience was, I mean, beautiful, like just, just gorgeous. And you experienced that, a dream, like almost postpartum elation, like it just, what an empowering experience for you. Yeah, it was. It really was. I mean, I think I've never felt so proud of myself in the whole, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, you know, people who really know me, and I'm sure some of them will hear this, would probably tell you that I do not have a great pain tolerance. So I don't want anybody who hears this to think like, oh, yeah, but she probably like never cries at anything ever. Like, uh-uh. Yeah. I, uh, I have no pain tolerance. I <laughs> cry when I get like paper cuts sometimes, but mm-hmm. I can push a baby out. And I felt like I'm a beast. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is, it, it was such an empowering experience uh, and it will, it has changed me forever. So mm-hmm. that's such a great point. Thank you for bringing that up. It's always so encouraging to hear because it's true. People will just say like, oh, well you, yeah, you had a, a natural birth, you know, you didn't use any pain medication. You must just have a high pain tolerance. And it's like, no, that's, that's really not how it works. It's so different. It's so it different from just, you know, any other, I mean, I, I, I have a hard time calling it pain anyway. So like, it's right. just <clears throat> such a different experience. It is. And I think part of that was preparation too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to like underscore that either. I mean, we definitely, we did the work uh, beforehand. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew, I knew that like, I don't have a high pain tolerance. And so I knew that if I was going to truly believe that I could do it, that I needed to make sure I had the right tools in my pocket, so to speak to do it. And so I did. And you heard me talk about like, I, I was married to that hypno baby stuff. Like it had to be playing in the background. Otherwise I was just like, not in it. And there were moments where I lost a little bit. I mean, I got a little bit hyperventilatory. I, I cried a little bit there at the end, but I mean, the people surrounding me just kept me grounded and knew that I wanted it and that they could do things to help too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to downplay the importance of preparation and also just making sure you have the right people surrounding you to make that happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. You just touched on all of the important things. (laughs) Perfect summation. Yeah. So, all right. So you have this incredible birth. Yeah. One might think that you wouldn't change anything with this next birth, but things did change. So what changed? Oh, well, people might think, oh, it's a pandemic. She's decided to have a home birth, Uh, but that's actually not the case. Um, So I remember thinking that at the end of having Grayson, why did I even leave my house? But I didn't really have to think back on that again until we got pregnant the second time, um, which was like literally immediately after I had my IUD pulled. And Mm. so we had a little less clarity on due dates this time. We had like a two week window where like I might've been right and the ultrasound might've been right, but we weren't really sure who was right Um, (laughs) because it literally happened so fast. (laughs) Um, So I had a positive pregnancy test on December 1st of 2019. And of course that was like four months before the pandemic really kind of like hit the US. And I, I remember telling my husband, like, I would love to have a birth center birth again, but the birth center here locally where Grayson was born had been shut down by the hospital system that was running it. So yeah, the midwives are still around, but their birth center on, on site there is no longer a thing. So Mm -hmm. that was very irritating at first because I was like, yeah, I mean, I might've, I might've done the exact same thing, but I didn't have that option. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are other freestanding birth centers in the area, but I really wasn't like super interested in looking into those because home birth kind of became an option. So around the same time I got pregnant, one of the midwives that worked in the practice that I had been seen at had decided to go out on her own doing home births in the community. So she is a nurse midwife and um, started her own business and is doing amazing things, but Um, was lucky enough to have found physicians who were willing to oversee her practice in the community, because that's kind of the scope of practice with nurse midwives. They have to have supervisory physicians. So that's not necessarily even easy in today's healthcare climate either. So I kind of remember thinking, 
wow, the fact that I, A, that someone, a nurse midwife is doing this in the community was awesome. And then in that it was a nurse midwife I had actually met before, I was like, okay, I'm going to go meet with her and see if maybe this is something we could actually do. And so we met with her, um, her name's Janelle, um, and she is such an incredibly lovely human being. I can't even begin to explain. Um, I also cannot begin to explain how lovely. I mean, we love you, Janelle. <laughs> exactly. We love you, Janelle. Uh, she, so she and I met and we sat down and I remember thinking like, this is going to be a radically different prenatal experience, but that's okay. Because I had my like incredibly educative experience already. Um, so we did our centering with Grayson, but this one was going to be a little more low key. Trevor was not going to be at every visit, but every visit was going to be at Janelle's house. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be more like talking to my best friend and catching up like on girl stuff than more than like just checking on a baby and hey 15 minutes see you later it was still an hour of like how's life how are you doing how are you preparing like I was like okay we're doing this mm -hmm. so um I remember talking with her specifically at first about spectrum of risk um so when you make a decision to have a home birth versus a hospital or even a hospital attached or even freestanding birth center um it's all about spectrum of risk. Like what kind of risks are you willing to tolerate uh, as a person? And everyone has different risks that they're willing to tolerate. Um, for me, I didn't wanna tolerate the anxiety of going into a hospital just because a hospital system tells me that I have to. Um, I think it's outrageous that they would shut down a birth center that was serving this community so incredibly well, mm -hmm. um, simply because of money but they did. And so I'm not going to let them make that decision. And I'm also not going to let a, an insurer make a decision for me either, because I had to pay for my home birth completely out of pocket. And that was after multiple appeals and the fact that a pandemic hit, I was not one of those lucky people that got it paid for by anybody. Um, but in terms of spectrum of risk and what I was willing to tolerate uh, financially, um, emotionally, and I mean, in every other aspect of my life, I, I wanted the home birth and I wanted Janelle. So that's what I did. Um, <laughs> I, she talked a lot about like, you know, what if something goes wrong? So the same things that <clears throat> I'm sure people have listened to in that fabulous episode of yours. Um, it's really like, what do we, are you willing to go to the hospital if you need to go to the hospital or would you rather be at the hospital just in case something happens? So we didn't really have to talk a lot about that but Janelle was very, very good at making sure she walked us through, like, you know, it's just, that's really what you do when you're selecting a provider is just kind of figuring out what your tolerance of risk is and then hiring who and what feels best for you. So that's what we did. Um, and we went through prenatal care, just like I said, I went to my appointments pretty much by myself, um, brought Grayson and Trevor a couple of times, especially to just like hear the baby and make sure that everything was okay. Um, but for the most part, this was just a little bit different because um, the pandemic did hit quickly. Um, I'm really glad to say it didn't really change a lot of my uh, birth plans or even my prenatal care. Um, we didn't, I didn't have to. I mean, it was Janelle's house. You know, we washed hands. We stayed safe. Um, she came here and she was very respectful of our environment. Um, and we weren't super strict either. But um yeah, so prenatally, it was very low key. Besides the discrepancy in due dates, because everything happened so quickly, um, I went all the way up to past my due date with my next one. Um, I was due July 25th, which we had moved up from August 12th, I believe. 
at some point. So after my 20 week ultrasound, they moved my due date up because she was measuring or the baby at this point, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl either. Um, she was measuring a little bit bigger than what they thought. So they moved up my due date by a couple of weeks. And it was fantastic too, with Janelle being able to say like, cause I was nervous that that was going to mean like, okay, if we adjust this, what does it mean if I go over and I'm at like 42 weeks, are you going to make me suddenly have to have a hospital birth? And she said, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that allayed a lot of my fears too. Um, being able to just kind of go with the flow and not worry about that, not let that kind of like block my preparation process either. So we did whip out hypno babies again, kind of did some resource refreshers. I did most of the work. We did a little bit less of Trevor reading me scripts and kind of like doing the thing that you do the first time. Um, but I did a little refresher kind of for my brain to retrain myself, you know, like how do you get into those self hypnotic states and like, what are some of those tools that they teach you along the way, but we didn't like deep dive back into the book again. Um, so I worked up until July 31st, which was, so that's a Friday. My due date was the Monday. So I was working from home that whole week. My boss was awesome letting me do that because nobody kind of knew what was going to happen and nobody really wants to be at work when they go into labor. Right. So um, I, I was working from home and I remember I was sitting on a, like one of those yoga balls just at my desk, typing away, like trying to frantically send off a few last emails to tie up all the loose ends because at this point, everything I was doing was like bonus. So I was trying to make sure nothing was left. Um, and I was bouncing on the ball and I felt a little pop. And I was like, that feels semi-reminiscent of the first time I had a baby, but it was a little lower and it was like, not the big gush. It was sort of just like a trickle. And I was like, well, you know, it's entirely possible. I'm peeing my pants. I am pretty much 40 weeks pregnant. So let me just like, see, let's just like wait this out a few minutes and see what's going to happen. Let me finish up this email. So I did. And then I stood up and I was like, oh no, <laughs> that is my water. <laughs> so, uh, what does any good mother do in that situation while well, they start tying up all the loose ends and getting everybody where they need to go and making sure that we get this party started. Right. right. Um, so I called Trevor, Trevor, I told him what happened. I said, you don't need to come right now. Like this is not going to happen in five minutes, but like tie up what you're doing and get home. Um, we had to get Grayson kind of situated. She was going to go stay at a neighbor's house in hopes that she didn't have to go too far. Um, my parents are an hour away from us. So they were going to come pick her up uh, and take her. Cause I really wasn't super sure I wanted her here for the birth. And I know that's not everybody's uh, decision or choice. We had prepared her for enough that she wouldn't have been like super scared. Right. Um, but I don't think my child would have been able to tolerate hearing what it sounds like for me to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I mean, I just love the fact that everyone gets to choose what's right for their family and that mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, your child, you know, yeah. what, what she can handle. Yeah. I, um, I knew it. I knew she could handle like the facts of it, but I just mm -hmm. don't know emotionally. Like she's just so tender. Right. Like, I just don't know if she could have done that. She did handle the facts well, because we, we talked about it. We talked about it and I would tell her a little more every time, but you know, she, they keep asking like, where does the baby come out of? Like, how does the baby come out? Finally, I told her a whole lot. Like I told her all the way up to, it comes out of the vagina. And she, I said, do you really want to know where it comes out of? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. So I told her, I said, it comes out your vagina. And she looked at me, smacked her forehead and went, Ah, 
of course. And then fell backwards on a chair. Like, that's so amazing. Oh, wow. I was like, what on earth is happening right now? Like, this is the coolest reaction I've ever seen from, like, I could have ever imagined, honestly. That is the best. It is the best. So I'm, for anyone who's hesitant about telling your small children, I mean, just do it. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the best. I can't. It's such a cool memory. But anyway, so we got her situated um, over to the neighbors, my parents on call, just in case. And I like to say, this is hard. Like I think so far in advance and I think about comparison in terms of like what my kids are going to think and feel later in life. And I think when you have, after the fact, you have two girls, I think I worry that they will be compared to one another. And so I tell them, I told them in their birth stories, um, the similarities between your birth stories begins and ends with my water broke. That's it. (laughs) So if you think you're the same, like, stop, you're not. <laughs> uh, and it started from literally the moments you decided to enter the world. Grayson, like, check all the boxes. Everything's perfect. I'm just going to go right along. I took 12 hours. I'm here. And here is what happened with Sutton. <laughs> and here we go. Uh, my water broke and everybody was gone. And we were like, okay, it's like three hours later. I'm still not in labor. I mean, I literally, Trevor's like staring at me, like, are you sure nothing's happening? And I'm like, nope, nothing's happening. Except I'm feeling like I'm peeing my pants every five seconds. So he, we ordered dinner and we ate and went to bed Friday night. And then we woke up on Saturday morning and I was like, what is happening right now? Like, I have no labor. Like, I have no contractions, like nothing. So we called Janelle and the doula again. And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now, but like I, water's broken, but I don't have baby. Like I don't even have contractions. Nothing is happening. So Janelle was like, okay, well, there's a lot of things you can do. So we started with, you know, everyone's like, Ooh, you know, get frisky. Well, there's only so much friskiness you can have when your water's broken. So, you know, you, you do the best you can. Uh, and we tried, but that didn't really work out. So then we tried pumping routine, which takes like two hours, like for nipple stimulation. So we did this like on off pumping. And let me tell you, I got like almost an ounce of colostrum pumped, but I had like maybe three random contractions that were sort of like wimpy. Mm. I was like, okay, well, we at this point decided if this is going to be a waiting game, we might as well have some entertainment because our child isn't here. And so we decided to start watching the TV show Yellowstone. Oh. So I will forever associate my second birth story with the show Yellowstone, because I think I got like halfway through season one before I started having a baby. <laughs> um, so uh, we did the pumping routine. And then like at two o'clock, I was like, okay, uh, acupuncture. So I have an acupuncturist. She offered to come over and put some needles in, leave them in and teach Trevor how to take them out when I was done. So she came over, inserted needles and also marked myself so that Trevor could reinsert them more if we needed to continue trying. That's cool. Was so cool. So um, we did that and that also did nothing. And at that point it was late in the evening and I mean, I'm it's exhausting waiting around trying to go into labor. Because the longer it goes, the more anxious you get that 
it's not happening. And it's like, then you start asking yourself questions like, uh, am I going to have to have an induction? Like that can only happen at the hospital. I don't want to go to the hospital. And then it's like, nope, don't go down that road. It's going to be fine. Um, so I was exhausted. Um, by about six o'clock, we had kind of exhausted all of our options except for the mile circuit. So we tried the mile circuit or at least a part of it to try to get labor going. Um, that was our doula's recommendation. And that was really uncomfortable. <laughs> trying to get into some of those positions with a very pregnant belly is just mm-hmm. not very fun. But the first, it, the first one is just like, Oh God, yeah. Kill me. I know. <laughs> and you can't be staring at a TV while you're doing it either. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of frustrating. So I did that like at bedtime and I, I, the last straw was the midwife's cocktail with castor oil and all the fun. And I was not really willing to pull that trigger on Saturday night because I didn't want I didn't want to have to deal with the fallout of castor oil and I was just so tired. So I said, you know, let's leave that for tomorrow. We'll do the mild circuit sleep. And if we need to, I'll wake up in the morning and that's what we'll do. If I wake up very smart though, that was a really great way to, to do that. Well, and the, our midwife was very encouraging. She was saying like some studies are showing that it's actually safe to go up to 72 hours as long as you haven't had any cervical checks and whatnot, and you don't have any history of, you know, your GBS stuff happening. So I was like, okay, I feel safe if she feels safe and the evidence is supporting me. And that's where like that nurse part of me really does kind of like my little radar goes up. So I was like, okay, it's safe. So I did that. We went to sleep. I don't, I didn't sleep awesomely because of course I'm like, I just want to have this baby and be done with it. But, um, I slept enough and we woke up like around seven, ate some breakfast, not too much because then I had to take castor oil. Um, my breakfast was pretty much almond butter. Cause I could not, I know every, every item in that thing has a purpose, but I could not stomach putting almond butter in something like champagne and apricot nectar and then sucking it down. So I ate the almond butter first. If anyone's wondering if it works, it did work for me. So if you also feel like that's disgusting, feel like trying that, that's fine. Um, I tried that uh, and it definitely did the job, but I also was able to get some Zofran from my midwife on Saturday night. So she said, you know, if you have to take the cocktail, let me give you some Zofran to kind of like ease your mind and not have to deal with like that anxiety about throwing up and all of the stuff coming with the nasty drink. And I said, okay. So I popped the two Zofran before I had the almond butter and the champagne cocktail. And then I sent a text message to the midwife and the doula with a picture of the cocktail just before I downed it. That is the breakfast of champions, Erica. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, It it was awesome. I mean, I was like, you know, I could tell myself I'm having a mimosa and maybe I'll feel a little better. So I kind of did. I mean, it minimally helped. Um, so that was around eight. And of course they were like, you know, wait about three to four hours, kind of like the sweet spot. So, um, then we sat around some more and I, Trevor did do the acupuncture needles again. I mean, I was sitting around, I might as well. So, um, we tried that just to be super sure that that wasn't going to help too. Um, and around noon, we were like mid Yellowstone episode. I don't know what, And, um, I started feeling like I was having contractions. So I got up, kind of started walking around. Our doula had stopped by to check on us around 1130. So this kind of happened while she was in the house and she was like, oh yeah, it's starting to happen. It's going to be okay. She's like, you need to just walk some laps, try to get things going and keep them going. So that's what we did. She left. She's like, I'm going to go get some lunch. 
Trevor, call me in a little bit and let me know. Like, I want you to check in with me in about an hour. And so we did laps around the house and she, she was like, you know, you could go for a walk down the street. And I almost did, but I'm so glad I didn't because castor oil has a purpose Mm -hmm. and it is very good at that intended purpose. (laughs) And it, it let me loose (laughs) walking laps around my downstairs. And I was so glad there was a bathroom close by. So, um, I, we got that out of my system and then kind of proceeded upstairs to the shower, which is odd because like I said, I'm such a bath person and we did have the big birthing tub, but of course you have to wait until everybody's here and you got to get it filled up. And so I was like, forget it. I don't need that yet. I just want the shower. So I went in the shower and really labored there for quite a while. Um, and that felt so good this time. I just want like the running water was so much like it had so much therapy for me. I, I mean, I also felt like I, since I'd had a birth before, like I knew that early labor was just like early labor. Like it was just breathe through it, keep the hypno babies on in the background. And it felt like awesome between contractions. I was talking, we were laughing, like, and then I'd have a contraction and I would, I mean, we were in the shower and then got out. I was sitting on the birthing ball this time was a lot more therapeutic for some reason. Um, and someone would be sitting behind me on our bed, just giving me those hip squeezes. And I remember Trevor being a lot more having ownership of that this time, like not leaning so heavily on the doula to intervene, but to be like, no, I got this. Mm-hmm. So our doula was really just like standing there watching, taking pictures, texting our midwife, like every five minutes. Um, and our doula is actually also a midwife's apprentice right now. So mm-hmm. I was so grateful for that um, because after laboring for a while and being, you know, in that kind of like bantery phase of early labor, I got cold again. And I was like, Oh, this is about to get real. And I don't want to throw up. (laughs) Um, But I knew I was going to go through, I knew I was going through transition because I got cold. And I've heard these stories, you know, some women get cold, some get really hot. I, I get cold. So I put on this big fluffy blanket and got in bed and um, we're just talking and, you know, life jokes what's going on and I remember feeling this like pop in my pelvis like really scary pop like I was totally in the zone breathing through everything and that pop like snapped me into this high anxiety state where I was like something just happened like I was terrified something had horribly gone wrong Mm. and it was fine, but our, our doula was there, not our midwife. And so I was started like getting very anxious. I was breathing super heavily. I was looking at people like what's happening to me. Like, I don't know what's going on. And my doula looked at me and said, Erica, I have the Doppler. We're going to check your baby. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so I started to kind of like get control of my breathing there. Trevor looked at me and kind of helped me like breathe through that and like calm down to be able to like hear the baby's heartbeat and know everything was just fine, but I don't know what that was. If it was like a final, like if it was a baby moving down, if it was my water breaking even more, I'm not sure, but it was super painful and very scary. Um, and that's when like the real contractions really started. So that's when my doula was like texting the midwife, Hey, you probably need to get here really soon. Um, and I also was like, I need to get in the bathtub. So we all knew that that meant like business. We're about to get, we're about to get started. So, I wanted the birthing tub to be more than it was to me. I'm, 
I'm going to just say that, like, I really am a bath person. I love a bath. I still will take a bath every day if I had time, but I'm raising two kids. So I don't, but (laughs) I barely get a shower every (laughs) day, but I would do it if I could. And this, the bath, the birthing tub was amazing, but it was really difficult for me to get comfortable. Mm. Um, I remember leaning back in the tub, like laying kind of like my weight back on my hands and having those contractions and really like breathing through them and trying to like continually support my body weight, my hands were like falling asleep and my, they just hurt so bad. And it was like, okay, how am I going to get out of this position? (laughs) Because I know I have to, but I also have a child like coming out of me and I just don't know how I'm going to do this. So at one point, like for a few contractions, I remember like planning this in my head. I'm such a project manager, like kind of planner people that know me will know that this is really funny, but I was like, okay, if I move this hand and then I move this foot and then I crawl a little bit this direction, I'll be able to like lean myself over the edge of the tub. And that's what I did. So I finally, and I had a contraction and I was like, I have got to move. Otherwise I am just, my arm's going to fall off. So I got over the edge of the tub and I got over my husband's like shoulder and I held on to his neck with my right arm And then my other arm was just over the side of the tub and there's pictures of us and he could not have been comfortable at all, but he was my rock. Like I, I pushed my baby out in that position and I could not, I could not have done it without him. Um, our dog is, we have a hundred pound great Dane who was literally by my side the entire time I was laboring at home and would like get between me and anyone who wanted to be close to me. And, um, we had to kick him out of the room because he was like, so in the way. So we shut the door, but he was at the door the whole time. And I remember hearing him like whining in the background. Um, Janelle had arrived like right when I got in the tub and I don't even know what time that was. It was, let's see, probably around, I don't know, two is my guess, maybe three. So three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, we're in the tub laboring around five, I'm guessing is when all of this like lean over the tub finally like happens. And, um, I like just gutturally worked my way through those last few contractions. And I remember my midwife telling me after the fact, and I don't remember this, but she told me, she said, um, something like Erica, you're going to meet your baby soon. And she said, do you know, you told me I know. And I was like, no, (laughs) I didn't say that. She's like, you did. And so I don't remember that, but she's like, you said, I know. And I was like, okay. Uh, apparently I said that. And then, um, I remember her after like working through all of this with like literally grasping onto my husband for every ounce of strength I had left and feeling like my hips could not stretch any further. My, I remember hearing my midwife say, Erica, reach down and grab your baby. Mm. And so I did. Um, I delivered my baby, uh, pulled her up through my legs and onto my front and kind of like fell back onto my bottom and sat back on the tub. And uh, she did not cry, Mm. not even a peep. And I was like, is she alive? (laughs) (laughs) She was breathing. She just, and she was blue like all babies are when they come out like that. But she was just serene and docile like my brother I remember telling my brother about being pregnant with her and he called her docile fruit 
Oh. And and I was like, well, this one is super docile. Mm-hmm. Um, like didn't really cry at all, honestly. Like she just kind of like was comfortable, I think, in her little comfy womb and then the water and like her, she just didn't barely care that she had been like moved from one environment to the next. It was just like, oh, hi, mm-hmm. what is this and what's happening? Oh, okay. We're uh, doing this now. Huh. Okay. Uh, this sounds <laughs> awesome. So I lifted her up to like, see, was it a boy or a girl? Cause of course I want to know. I did all this hard work. This is the best surprise ever. And I, the first time I lifted her up, I literally could not see because her umbilical cord was so huge. <laughs> it was literally blocking like her whole genital area. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to try this again in a second. So I put her back down, snuggled her with a minute for a minute. And then we lifted her back up, moved the cord out of the way and another girl. Mm-hmm. So, um, not what I expected, mm-hmm. but God has plans and he is trusting me to raise two of them, <laughs> which is wow. <laughs> yep. Um, it's, it's crazy. I know you have two too, right? I do. Yeah. And I also thought so, my second was a boy. Exactly. Like totally confident. convinced. So confident. Yeah. Yes. And nope. Mm-mm. So anyway, um, that was, so that was her birth. Um, I, having had lots of conversations after the fact, I know that my placenta released very quickly mm. with Sutton's birth. And, uh, I remember everyone being like, okay, like let's transition out of the bathtub and me thinking, how the heck am I going to do this? This baby is attached to me still. And I have to get out of a tub and into a bed. And, uh, let me just tell you, everybody knows what they're doing. It's amazing. So we waddled our way as a nice huddled family of people from the tub to our bed. And, um, I tried to get Sutton to latch for the first time to like, kind of help with the placenta releasing and giving my uterus those contractions, but that didn't really work out. Um, so my placenta was taking quite a while to actually like be delivered. So Janelle gave me a shot of Pitocin, which I was fine with. I was like, you know, do whatever you got to do. Like, I'm totally cool. Like I have my baby, like whatever the hard part's over. Right. Well, not so much. Uh, I was like enamored with the baby. So I wasn't really like paying attention. I was like, sure. Give me the Pitocin, whatever. Like, let's move on. Um, my placenta finally did deliver later than we wanted. And then I was bleeding a lot. And I remember knowing I was bleeding and I remember Janelle being down there, like just kind of working through it and figuring everything out. She went and inspected the the, uh, placenta and made sure everything was intact. And it was, um, and then coming back to me and continuing to look at me and monitor me and Trevor looking at me, like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. The placenta was still, um, at that point was still attached to the baby. So it was in a bucket next to me and I had Sutton trying to latch and Janelle looked at me like between my legs, like I'm, you know, splayed open for the whole wide world. Mm -hmm. She looked at me with a gloved hand and said, Erica, I'm really concerned with the amount of bleeding that you still have. And I really think now is the time that we need to go in and I need to sweep your uterus for clots. Mm. And I was like, she said, and I know you just had a baby and that was the hardest work of your life, but this is not going to feel nice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so, you know, whatever we got to do. So I, the baby is laying on my chest. I have the doula's hand in one hand and the, my husband's hand in my other hand. So I don't really know how the baby stayed safe throughout this whole thing, but she did. And 
she stuck her hand in my uterus and swept out what my husband explains as like 11 golf ball size clots. Wow. And at the time, like, I remember like knowing that this was not good, but not being afraid at all. Like I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, in healthcare, like things, bad things happen and you, you do something to address them and you take the next step, you monitor and then you intervene and then you assess and you intervene and you monitor. And it just, it's that continual cycle. Mm -hmm. So I was not really that worried in the moment, but talking to my husband after the fact, he was like, I thought in that moment that for sure our mattress was dead. Like it is not making it through this adventure alive. He's like, it was going to be okay. Cause you, you were okay. But like the mattress was just not going to be okay. Right. Um, he said, and I also was starting to think that you were not going to be so okay, but, um, we got, we got the bleeding under control with a second shot of Pitocin. Um, and a little bit of time and the clot, the uterine sweep seemed to really like help and stop things. And I guess looking back at the entire picture, I had had some bleeding early on and this, all of the, like I had bleeding, like implantation bleeding, we thought was implantation bleeding, but we think it was actually a complicated attachment of the placenta. Um, and that it just had attached to some spot in the bottom of my uterus that just didn't contract very well at the end there that couldn't clot. So all of these, those interventions finally did get the bleeding stopped. Um, and I remember Janelle coming over and telling me like, so you just, you had a hemorrhage. And I was like, I know. And she said, okay. She's like, I really need to get your blood pressure right now. And I looked at her and I said, you're not going to like it. Yeah. And she said, I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, I, I said, she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm pretty sure it's probably like 80 over 40. And sure enough, it was like 78 over 40 something. Uh, And she was like, so no, I don't really like that. And I really would like to put an IV in you and give you some fluids. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, here's my arm. (laughs) Do it. Uh, So she got an IV in me um, and I had a liter of fluids hung on my closet door for a little while. I started feeling a lot better after I got the fluids in me. Um, but I looked like death warmed over. Um, Mm. it was very, very bad. So all this to say, there was a lot of like processing after the fact and talking with people and for myself trying to piece what happened together. Mm. Like, so all in all, uh, I had a hemorrhage. I, I did not look good uh, after the fact. I would have been transferred if we had not been able to get it under control. And I would have been transferred if my midwife had not been a nurse midwife able to intervene with an IV and fluids and all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So looking back, I am so grateful for that. Um, It took us probably a good six to eight weeks after the fact to really like process what happened. Um, And it took my husband a solid few weeks to probably tell me how scared he was in the moment. Um, And he never really said a lot. He just said, um, he said something to the effect of one night before we went to bed, like, um, like we were talking about it and he said, you know, I thought I was going to lose you. And I said, well, I'm still here. And that was it. Like, but in the moment, like looking back, I really do think that he thought he was going to lose 
me and possibly our baby too. So it was, it was a scary experience Um, for him, especially, I think for me being in healthcare and knowing like it can look really bad one second and then you intervene and everything gets a little bit better. Like everything that happened in my brain made a lot of sense medically, Mm -hmm. but he's not a medical person. So that was probably very scary for him. Um, and looking back, it was scary for me too, because I see pictures of myself and I'm like, Oh my God, the after experience with Sutton was not endorphins and happiness and write your birth story in the first week that you're home. It was, um, a lot of rest. Uh, and I literally did not leave my bedroom for probably two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of vitamins and supplements and iron, um, and iron rich foods and all of these things. My, my team took great care of me. My, the midwife It's funny. I had her at 6 PM and they were still gone by 8 PM when all of that transpired. Wow. So I, looking back on that, I think that's even kind of miraculous. Um, but we were fine. I mean, I had instructions. I was strictly under instruction to call if I passed any blood clots and I didn't. I almost passed out like once on the way home from the bathroom. And that was literally the only time I got out of bed for that first 24 hours. So, um, but Trevor caught me and we got back in bed and I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I just need to lay here and I need to drink some water and I'm going to be fine. And so, and I was, um, but that was a very different experience for me. Um, Janelle showed up the next day with like this these packs of supplements for me to take every day for the first week and then instructions to buy this, this, and this, and take that. And the doula came with all these like iron rich foods and all of these, she's like, Oh, go get these juicery, like cold pressed juices with all these things in them. They'll help you do like blood building stuff. And three days after she was born, um, Janelle came back and took my H and H and my, I think my hemoglobin was like eight, Mm. which is super low. And she looked at me and she goes, she said, it's eight, 8.4 or something. And I was like, it's not that bad. She goes, Erica, I said, I mean, like we didn't transfuse people when I was in the ICU till they were like seven. It's fine. She's like, oh, she's like, I don't know what you did. Like, it's fine. She's like, you just need to keep staying in bed and keep doing all these things and we'll be fine. So I did, I, I listened, I, I did let people do things for me, which was really hard. Um, but we did, and it was incredibly helpful. Um, and I don't think I would have gotten better or built up that lost blood volume as fast if I had not listened to my body and really rested after the fact with sudden, um, So my home birth was not as elating as I had hoped it would be. It was definitely not a repeat experience of, well, why did I even leave my house? Like Mm -hmm. I was like worried I was going to have to leave my house uh, a lot of the time and we got really close to it, but we did not have to. So um, I was very, very grateful for that. So yeah, you def and you definitely, like you said, you know, you, you had surrounded yourself with an amazing team Mm -hmm. that was able to take care of. A situation like that. And I think that's one of the things that's so important to highlight is when birth doesn't go the way we plan or the way we would hope for it to go, you know, that's, that doesn't only happen at the hospital. Of course it happens at home. It can happen anywhere. Things happen that we're not expecting, but that doesn't mean that a home birth is intrinsically dangerous. And as we saw in your experience, 
you had a hemorrhage, you were able to even stay home because of the type of care provider that you had, but had you needed to go to the hospital, that would have been an option as well. You know, so it's really, really, I mean, I'm so appreciative of you sharing a story where it's like, okay, it wasn't butterflies and rainbows. You know, there was some intensity here that had to be dealt with, but we did deal with it. Yeah, we did. And, and we did everything. I mean, we did what we needed to do. And it it really did take me back to that conversation about spectrum of risk. Like I, I was not unhappy about what I had chosen at the end of all of that. And I don't think my husband would say he was either. Um, I think the trade-off of being able to be in our house and be in an environment where everyone was comfortable was massive. Like we would have had so much anxiety being in the hospital, having to deal with all of that fallout. And we have a village that would have rallied around us either direction, but being able to have been home and having chosen that, that is our risk tolerance. Like we, and we experienced the risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have changed my decision at all. So Yeah. Wow. Uh, Erica, this has been such an incredible story. I cannot thank you enough for sharing both of your very different, but, but beautiful in their own right stories. Thank you so much for coming on the happy home birth podcast. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Wow. What a discussion. As we head into this week's episode roundup, I want to delve into the concept of spectrum of risk just a tad bit more. Birth carries risk. If anyone tries to tell you that it doesn't, they're either lying or just not thinking. Because life itself carries risk every moment, every decision. We have no idea how any little event will turn out, and birth is a perfect example of this. But does that mean that birth, specifically home birth, is inherently dangerous? No, and I would argue that it's oftentimes less dangerous and less risky than walking into the hospital as a low-risk laboring mother. You should be the one in charge of the decisions being made for yourself and your baby as they impact you too directly. When we hand our care over to others, we shouldn't be surprised when they act in their best interest instead of our own. So yes, giving birth carries risks. We can mitigate many of them through education and through preparation. Of course, I highly recommend Happy Home Birth Academy for this. And through choosing a care team with whom we feel comfortable and confident. And does that mean everything's going to go perfectly? Of course not. But we also don't know if everything's going to go perfectly when we step outside of our house to get the mail either. So let's celebrate birth for the swirl of control and chaos that it is and prepare ourselves to understand our responsibilities, to understand what we can do to encourage a positive experience, and then let's enjoy the ride. All right, let's wrap up. Before you hop off, would you take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram stories? It is one of the best ways to share this podcast with the whole world and all of the mamas who would love to hear it. Tag Happy Home Birth Podcast and tell me your favorite takeaway from this episode. And I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.